little touch pass there. Benson waiting, cuts in, he scores! Oh my! Into the middle, holding, back, Toporowski shooting, shot block, got it back, shot, score! Center of pass forward, of stop, shot, back to play, score! In front, Groove scores! Jaden Groove scores the triple overtime winner. Welcome into WHL Unfiltered. Uh, pleased to be joined uh, with uh, special guest co-host Josh Kreitzer in, in lovely Sherwood, Oregon, and also by our guest uh, Chris Peters of uh flow hockey how's uh how's things going for you out there in iowa chris things are great uh just you know it's been a busy time of year it always is but uh things are good and yeah excited to be uh be on with you guys it's always a pleasure now we've uh you know i've figured to do our american preview we need you know americans so here here we are <laughs> um you know, we've had you on, Chris, over the years. Been, you know, fortunate you give us some time. And you know, with uh, when you're with, you know, the, your own, you know, USA Hockey stuff, your um, United States of Hockey, excuse me, your, uh, you know, CBS, you know, some of the various outlets that you've worked with over the years. But we haven't had you on since you started working with Flow Hockey. Let's um, let's get into that a little bit. What's what's uh, what's the story behind that, and how's that treating you? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I know uh, you know flow, flow flow hockey is part of you know the it's under the flow sports umbrella, which is you know a streaming company um, has a, about twenty eight twenty seven twenty eight sports that uh, it streams, uh, and we have a lot of hockey. Um, and really, it, you know, that's where the USHL is now. It's the ECHL, um, a couple college conferences as well for in terms of live games. Um, but you know they had never really put a lot into um, you know put it put a lot into the hockey content we have we've, we've had freelancers you know, cover the partner leagues but you know I think Flo is really wanting to become a major player in the hockey market and you know they wanted somebody that really understood the landscape beneath the NHL um, and that's kind of where I've lived for most of my career I mean I did cover the NHL for a period of time when I was at CBS and certainly a lot of uh, NHL draft and prospects coverage with ESPN, but um, you know, I think they, they, they saw the, the different things that I'm, I was able to do with, uh, um, with, with, with hockey beneath the NHL. And that's kind of what they wanted to target. So um, they reached out to me last May, it went through a, a lengthy interview process and, you know, I had to kind of believe in them and, and they had to believe in me. And, you know, I think that uh, the, the thing that really ended up, sealing the deal for me was uh you know this is a this is an american media company that wants to invest more in hockey and, and how many places say that <laughs> and right now and i mean i've been through the the media ringer um over the years and uh, i i always understand to, to not necessarily get too comfortable but i think i'm really excited about you know what flow's vision is for 
the future of, of hockey in, in the United States and, and certainly in Canada as well. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, down the road, there will be uh, even more hockey on, on the platform um, and, and we'll be covering it. And, and we're not just covering, you know, what's on flow hockey right now. We are, you know, we're definitely covering that um, pretty comprehensively, but uh, we're also doing NHL draft rankings. I'm going to be going to the world juniors for on-site coverage. We're going to be at the major events. So, so, you know, that's, that's a good thing. And most of, you know, a lot of the times I was with daily Faceoff last year and that wasn't behind the paywall, but you know, at, at, at ESPN, I certainly was. And then I had my sub stack, which was also behind the paywall. Um, so pretty much most of my written content, pretty all of my written content is, is available free again, um, through flow. Um, and it's just a, a way for us to continue to get people to understand what we're all about and, and what, what they can get there so it's it's been an awesome opportunity i think if anybody's familiar with with hockey tv um flow flow sports acquired hockey tv uh, that's i was actually just at the hockey tv offices um this week and um you know so hockey tv has been such an important piece of the hockey landscape and covering so many of the junior leagues throughout north america um and and beyond and also you know u18 and AAA and all these different places so you know, I think that there's a there's going to be a real large offering of hockey on Flow, and um, it's only getting bigger and better. So I, I I couldn't be happier with with the opportunity and the and the chance to work with a group that you know really believes in the sport and not just believes in you know the NHL's growth, but in the growth of, of the entire landscape. And and that's what I'm really excited about. I I had forgot about your ESPN, and I think something else in there. I mean, you're really going for for blackout on this bingo card, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I yeah, my res, I updated my resume before this job, and I was like, there are too many places on here, so, uh, so yeah, but that's that's the way it goes. I, I mean, the the good news is that I keep finding work. Um, you know, it's it's certainly not working in working in a, in a niche in a niche sport in the United States is a choice. Um, it's the only one I could have made because it's obviously what I'm most passionate about. But yeah, I mean, like that's the way it goes. You kind of you adapt and, and try to figure out what the next thing is. Um, you know, if I if the ESPN thing went for forever, that would have been awesome. But you know, the pandemic happened and Disney made cuts, and I got to be one of them. That was not fun, but you know, land on my feet and continue to. Uh, find work and and now you know I'm at a at a place doing a lot of things that I love to do and hope that I get and a lot of new things too. We're doing a lot of video work. We're gonna you know have some mini documentaries. There's all sorts of new things coming for hockey fans. I've got one that I'm really excited about that'll be coming out in a few months. That's ECHL related. But I think you don't have to be a fan of the ECHL or even hockey to enjoy. Um, and so I'm excited to see how that all shakes out but um there's been some really great uh great traction and 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 things are only getting bigger and better at flow maybe maybe at some point there'll be room for patriotic photoshop contests again oh man yeah i'd love to go back to the the old yeah i i will say like the my world junior coverage it's going to be primarily usa focused like i used to do on the old united states of hockey blog and but no, no Photoshop contest this year. Although you did win, did you win or did you? You came close. No, I think you were you were in the mix. I think every mix. I think everyone's a winner in in, in those cases. But uh, yeah, I mean, I certainly was. I got a kick out of seeing all of them, so it was great. So, I mean, just to you know, keep going with uh, 
with with your with your work with flow i mean you uh peel back the curtain i mean you you just you just came back from uh from from a trip to a, a foreign land to cover cover major <laughs> junior is what 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 was that you know just to t- touch on that yeah so you know it it worked out i had to go to to waterloo ontario for some meetings um yesterday and i the first thing i i did when i heard that we were going to have a meeting out there is i went right to the kitchen arrangers schedule and said are they at home and sure enough they were and uh so that was a bit of a stroke of luck um they were playing guelph and you know the nice thing is is everything's kind of close in the ohl it's not like the dub where (laughs) it's it's far flung um but the but in the ohl you know there's so many games that you can can hit in in a weekend and so yeah i mean you know that was just a stroke of luck and and of course uh they had three NHL draft eligible players that are, you know, kind of top three round uh, candidates in Carson Rakoff, um, Hunter Burstevich, and Cam Allen. And so it was good to see that group. Neither of those teams have played very well this year. Um, And, you know, I think it's hurt the draft style. Like Cam Allen, we thought was kind of a top five pick coming into the year. Now there's, he might not even make the first round. So, you know that's kind of an interesting thing to watch is uh, how a, how a season can be impacted by team quality and just you know the way things go is sometimes it goes off the rails for a team and they never get it back on. Um, but yeah, but it's 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 fascinating to see. It was also a teddy bear toss game and they got about ten thousand bears on the ice, so uh, that was a nice little twenty six minute delay. And um, but yeah, it was it was fun to be there. And and uh, if you guys have never been to the odd in Kitchener, it is quite an experience. Definitely sounds like fun and a and a nice uh, way to tie in a business trip from from one Waterloo to the other. I mean, I know you're not in Waterloo, yeah. but close <laughs> enough to me. But uh, Josh, I know we've been shutting you out of the, the no, conversation. No, you're good. I uh, I suspect that you have uh, some places you want to. Are you you're prepared to go? Um, with this conversation on uh, on this this uh, U.S. team, if we were going to actually get down to business, uh, where do you where do you <laughs> where, where do you want to start? Yeah, uh, Chris, again, appreciate you uh, you know taking time with us here, and uh, you know Port, you know we're both kind of here in Portland, and uh, the Winterhawks have their teddy bear toss this weekend, and so uh, against Seattle, so it you know kind of the, kind of those two bitter rivals, and they're they're expected to sell out the, the barn here, so. Uh, we'll probably have a similar delay c- uh, come Saturday, so uh, a couple highly drafted uh, eligible prospects uh, in in this game as well. So, um, but yeah, um, you know, just kind of as we kind of bring into the the U.S. focus, um, I, I guess we kind of want to start high level and and just kind of say, you know, the U.S. and Canada are always going to kind of be compared to each other, and where those players come from, playing in very different styles of leagues. Uh, how do you see kind of the U.S. players, you know, who are maybe all year are playing against, you know, these guys are, you know, freshmen and sophomore in, in college, you know, sometimes playing up against 25, 26-year-olds if they're out east or playing the, the, the Mankatos of the world versus, say, you know, the CHL guys who, you know, might be the, the oldest guys in, the, in their league. Do you see any benefits to, to either of those when it comes to such a short tournament like this? I mean, I think it certainly helps just to because the pace of uh, the World Juniors is so dramatically faster than than most everything else. So, 
you know, when you get the best of the best, I would say, you know, the college game moves faster, a little faster than junior in terms of you have less time to make decisions. You're going up against bigger, faster, stronger players, as you mentioned, older players. So the style of play may more closely mimic what you're going to see at the World Juniors. The World Juniors is still going to be faster um, because it's basically the next fastest league. The, the next fastest thing to the World Juniors is the NHL. Um, you know, yeah. so I mean, like in terms of the quality of, of of games that you get at the World Juniors, it's it's so high in comparison to to regular junior hockey or even regular college hockey. But uh, and I do think that that's a factor. You know, I, I don't think that the U.S. is actively trying to shut out CHL players. I know that there's always been a theory that that was the case. But, you know, it's not like they, they haven't, with the exception of the when they left off Alex Dabrinkit for the second year, like, you know, they haven't really left guys off that would have made a, a huge difference. You know, it hasn't happened a lot lately where, you know, so we're talking about guys that could potentially play in a depth role or, you know, might not play in a certain area here or there. Um, I don't think they're actively trying to shut those guys out. But I do, you know, when you have college coaches, and that is typically what the U.S. has had, um, you, when you have college, they're going to lean more heavily on college guys. They're more familiar with them. They understand the level that they play at. They've seen them. Um, sometimes they've coached against them. Those are those are things that will always be a factor, but still, there's still a decision process at the top with two non-coaches. You, you know, John Van Beesbrook being the assistant gentleman, uh, like uh, the assistant executive director for hockey ops, and then I think, you know, Mark Boxer, who's been heavily involved in junior hockey, is also part of that decision team. And then they also often will get input from you know NHL scouts and and different things like that. So, you know, there's a there's a large pool of decision makers that have a say. In, in how these teams get put together and I don't think they're actively trying to shut out anybody from, from any league as, as much as we like to think they do or don't you know like or we think that Canada is actively trying to shut out American college players when this year they invited Ryan Green who most people you know may not have even known about but he's having a really good season at Boston University he's a, you know, a mid-round pick by the Chicago Blackhawks and, and they still they found a spot for him as well in their camp. Doesn't mean he's going to make the team, but he's there. He gets gets an opportunity. Um, but yeah, just to, to to circle back to your first point there, Josh is it, you know I just do think that the the college game um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's it's better, but I would say that it's it, it can be harder. Um, and, and in that in that regard, in that when you have that gameplay and you're going up against guys that just know how to play because they've got four years of junior hockey and maybe four years of college hockey, um, that's you know think about that. Like it's eight years of high level hockey experience. You know that's you're almost professionalized at that point, even if you're not a pro talent. So um, that, that's kind of how how crazy it can be at the at the collegiate level. Yeah, you, you mentioned kind of the coaching and bringing in college coaches, and you know they've had you know Nate Lehman behind the bench, and and now they're going to make the the transition here to to Rand Pecknold, who's been you know I believe with Quinnipiac for what twenty eight years now, something like that. Um, yeah. Kinda, how would you kind of compare and contrast their styles, and also kind of following up with that? Should the U.S. be concerned not having that legendary assistant coach Steve Miller behind the bench? <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, it's. it's I'm, I'm glad Steve is going to get to spend a uh, 
a Christmas with his family because it seems like every <laughs> single year he's there and he's yeah. he's such a huge part of their special teams and he's he's been a winner you know pretty much everywhere he's gone um, and now he's at the University of Minnesota. Uh, this staff there's you know the going back to Rand Pecknold and his uh, you know his style in terms of how it compares to Nate Lehman I, I mean I think that Quinnipiac plays a very similar style to Providence, it's much more aggressive. It's attacking, but they are defensively responsible. They limit shots. It's a puck possession game. They don't just shoot to shoot. They're trying to, you know, control the puck, and um, they'll be hard on the forward check and different things like that. And and this U.S. team, the way it's constructed, is going to be built for speed and pace. And and you know the the guys that they have primarily are, are quicker players, um, which is why you know you might have seen you know, Sasha Pasajov didn't make the team skating is probably one of his weak points I still probably would have brought him into camp to see how he fit into the mix especially as a returning player and one that's averaged two points a game since he got traded in the OHL um, I you know, I think when you have 18 forwards you say okay well that guy's probably got to be in there but he wasn't um, you know but I think that's the the US wants to play a, a much more aggressive quick style um, I, that's what you're going to see with, with Rand Pecknold. And then, you know, the, the real interesting thing here is that there isn't a single coach on the bench that has coached in this tournament before, which is really rare in recent years. There's often one or two that have that – have, you got Reed Cashman, uh, who was a former Washington Capitals coach, currently at Dartmouth, and he was also an assistant for Rand Pecknold at Quinnipiac. Um, and Pat Fershweiler, who's at Western Michigan now, the head coach there, and was uh, uh, an assistant coach with the Detroit Red Wings um, under Jeff Blaschel. You know, so they might not have world junior experience, but they have high-level experience. They're going to understand the adjustments that need to be made. There shouldn't be a lot of surprises. There have been years where USA took a coach that didn't have world junior experience, like the year they took Ron Wilson to be the coach, and he just did not adjust to the tournament and that we're talking about a legendary coach a guy that has been you know won a world cup hockey with the usa and you know took teams to the stanley cup final and the world juniors ate him up um i'm not you know i i I have all the respect in the world for him was not a good fit for that tournament that can happen um we'll see what happens with Rand pecknold he's very aggressive coach he's had a lot of success at the collegiate level but this is a completely different animal. And I, you know, I, I'd be lying if I told you I knew how it was going to go with a coaching staff that, that didn't have any world junior experience on the bench. But certainly not the first time that they've taken a team, a, a group like that. And, you know, I think it's probably about time that somebody like Rand Pecknold did get an opportunity. Um, he's been, as you mentioned, a coach for over 28 years. Um, you know, Quinnipiac has been his his life. He built that program from the ground up. Um, and now he's got an opportunity to, to you know, to take his talents and, and show, you know, maybe what he can do with, with some of the real elite players in the country. And kind of going into those elite players, you've got, you know, probably the top two for the U.S. and, you know, Jimmy Snuggerud and Logan Cooley. You know, Logan Cooley, you know, originally going to go to Notre Dame, decommits, goes to the Gophers. Um, you know, I think he started off the year there playing – uh, kind of split up with, with, with Snuggerud and then, you know, Bob Motzko decides to put them, you know, with the highly touted Matthew Nyes, and that line has just kind of been unstoppable ever since kind of those three have been together. So, And I know that Snuggerud and Cooley played on a line together at the national team program. Um, do you kind of see them reuniting um, with Cutter Gauthier, who is kind of their line mate there? Do you see a third guy there? I mean, Gauthier's had, you know, had a good start, it seems like, 
for Boston College with 12 points in 12 games, but kind of what do you see the USA's top line kind of making up? Yeah, I do I do think that the initial plan is to put them back together and, and include Cutter Goche. The, the only reason that you wouldn't do that is because the U.S. center depth is, is not great, and if you move Goche into the center position, which is where he's playing at Boston College right now, and where, you know, that's the reason he went fifth overall is because he looked like, you know, a big power center. Um, even though he played wing most of the year, teams saw him more as a center at the NHL level. It's pretty rare that that happens. But, I mean, he did play center at, at proportions of last season as well. Um, but, yeah, I would see them back together. I mean, I the thing that don't try and reinvent chemistry go with what's worked before there have been so many years where they w- just wouldn't put the same guy the guys that were line mates before back together and it's like why not reignite the magic a little bit here um and and it always frustrated me so i think that that's that you know i think at least initially i i would be surprised if that wasn't the plan to have those three back together um there's a you know the usa is pretty deep down the wings they've got a lot of skill they've got some you know high-end players some guys they think are going to play a pretty significant role um on their team and 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 they're going to play with quite a bit of pace but you know i think cooley and snuggerud have just had magic in the last few weeks with minnesota i think you know they're both averaging well over a point and a half per game in the last you know like their last seven or eight games and you know they're they're heating up at the exact right time for usa I didn't think Cooley had a very good summer world juniors. Um, you know, Snuggerud wasn't part of it. And so, you know, to have those two guys playing at such a high level, I think that's going to be great for, for USA. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, what they do on the wing there, I, I, it, it, I really think it'll end up being Goche, but you know, if they want to put him back at, at center, um, you know, there are a lot of other options for them that, that they could potentially move into that, into that mix, including, you know, guys like Rucker McGordy, or, um, you know, they, Will Smith, who's a natural center, um, you know, if they're looking for, for more speed, dynamic element, um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of different ways they can go with it. But, you know, I think in general, they, they've got to be really happy with the way that their, their top group is playing right now. You know, and, and from a, you know, from a top end talent standpoint, and over the last, you know, we're taping this on Tuesday evening, I think today and, and yesterday, you know, Canada got some got three, you know, pro players, you know, coming back, uh, to, you know, to Hockey Canada and and Gunther Wright and, and Brandt. Uh, I believe the U.S. only has has one guy on its roster, and, and that's Chaz Lucius, who's you know signed his his ELC with, with Winnipeg after a year, uh, you know, at University of Minnesota, and but he's kind of had a slow start and has been hurt, and I think last I saw he was even listed as week to week. Um, you know, I, and I think, you know, this year with the tournament, you know, being reduced down, you know, can you take a chance on a player like this? But if he's healthy, you don't have a Lucius in your lineup. Is Are you are you missing out on kind of some high-end talent? Uh, what do you make of the, uh, the Lucius situation? Yeah, it's certainly not ideal. I mean, they wouldn't have invited him to camp if they didn't think he was going to be able to, to, to be involved. Um but you know he, yeah, he's he's been injured a lot, not just this year, but last year and the year before, and that is a concern. And you have to take that into consideration. You kind of wait, see how he's doing through the camp. You give him every opportunity to make the team because he does make your team a lot better if he's if he's healthy and available. And um, I think that's basically what they're going to do. They will wait until the bitter end to see exactly how he's doing. And 
But I, I would say that if there's even a doubt at all, then you can't take them because you don't have that luxury of, you know, the deeper roster. The the thing about that is, you know, I, I the drop-off is pretty significant, I feel, like just in terms of pure skill level, um, from him to, like, some of the next players. Guy, you know, so, so you're, you're already digging into the, the, the secondary on the wing, you know, but... Um, Again, you lose that, and then that changes. That may j- change your decision process about Cutter Goche. Might change your process about some of the guys that you thought would be wings, but maybe have to move to center. Um, so it, it causes a lot of headaches. So I think that the coaching staff and, and, and USA Hockey are, are going to have to be pretty diligent and have a really good feel for you know how what his health status is. And you know, I think also Chaz and 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 the Jets have to be um, diligent as well. Uh, you know, if he is kind of on the cusp, you know, it's it, it's not really USA's call to bring him. You know, like if 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 he's uh, if there's a health situation because the Jets as the as the the team that, that have him under contract, they they get a lot of say in that process as well. So um, we'll have to wait and see. But I think that just because of the talent level and the skill and everything else that he brings to the table, you got to give him every opportunity to make the team and, and be healthy. Well, sure. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you bring up you know a lot of valid points with the with the injury concerns, but you know the counterpoint to that to me is, you know, he's listed as being from Lawrence, Kansas, and I think that's important. You know, I mean, I I, I was I was just <laughs> I was just in Lawrence a couple of, a couple months ago. It's it's a, it's a fun town. There's I believe there is no ice in Lawrence. I think you got to go to Kansas City, and there's barely ice there. And uh, you know, I think I think that would be fun, especially you know, with a, a kid from Lincoln where there's only one sheet of ice. I think uh, I think we need these guys on the team to try to uh, you know draw that part of the country into the into the fold. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I know Chaz was born there. I don't think he spent a whole lot of time in Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> uh, yeah. But you know, yeah, but yeah, I think I think his younger brothers. Uh, hometown is listed as as minnesota so yeah but it's it's yeah. funny you know like him and, and then rucker mcgordy who you know definitely you know spent a good chunk of his his childhood in lincoln but played a lot of his youth hockey out in michigan um you know it's it's cool to have have those you know see that out there i mean um yeah but i yeah i i'm with you more more midwest we got no <laughs> iowa guys kansas will have to do um kind of bring you back a little bit into the into kind of the guys we, we touched a little bit you know especially up front with with some of the kind of the, the higher end guys you know you know u.s fans who are watching the games that you know they get the pleasure of listening to today starman who who does a ton of research and he's always talking about you know needing u.s needs guys who play with some jam who are who are some of the guys that that you see for the u.s that that can kind of play that spark plug role that can, can kind of play, kind of play the body, kind of maybe be on the PK. Are you looking at guys like Dylan Duke, who's you know gets to the front of the net with Michigan, and you know is able to kind of clean up around there? Are you looking at someone like Red Savage? You know he's got you know experience. You know he's a returning player, um, not the most points with Miami University right now, but um, just kind of are you looking at guys like that? Are there are there others that you see that could kind of maybe make it make a difference in that middle to bottom six? Yeah, you know, I mean, the the nice thing is, I think there are a lot of guys that that, that play with some jam and that, that have a good work ethic. I mean, and and the the nice thing is that it's some of your best players. Jimmy Snuggerud 
has a work ethic to him that is you know that that is a huge reason that he's successful and why he was a first round draft pick. Now you add that high end scoring that he's had this year, and it's like holy smokes, what who is this guy? Same thing with Rucker McGordy. I mean, big time scorer, physical, you know, uh, aggressive, and it, it's he's he's a remarkable guy to watch in, in that regard. But you know, as you look down the lineup, certainly Charlie Stramel, he's got that physical edge, he's got the big frame. Um, you know, I think he's on the bubble to make the team. Red Savage, who you mentioned, you know, dogged in puck pursuit, really good on the four check. He'll definitely PK. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that that they really have a lot of respect for within that group. Um, I believe he was a captain of the under eighteen team his his U eighteen year um, at the World Championship. Um, you know, so those are those are having guys throughout your lineup that have a little bit of that helps. Um, Ryan Leonard from the U eighteen team, he is a absolute bull i mean he is he is strong and hard to knock off the puck and he likes to lay the body he's not that he's like 511 but he is just he is a heavy dude like he just gets get play plays the game and plays the body hard and um you know so that's really good to have as well um you know so i, I think they have a good mix of guys that can do it um you know you think some of the other guys that kind of were in the mix, Jack Devine, um, Noah Laba, who's playing at uh, Colorado College this year, Kenny Connors, you know, good two-way kind of guy, Dylan Duke, who you mentioned, he's he's he plays in the dirty areas. You know, I think that you know, surprisingly, you know, Duke, he's not a big guy, but man, he's had a lot of success at the net front um, for for a guy that you know doesn't have the great size. Um, but you know, so you need guys throughout your lineup that can do that, and I think that's really what the U.S. has up front. They have got good balance, good skill, good speed, a team that's going to forecheck pretty hard and, and be and be difficult to play against because they are going to play the body. Do you oh. see someone like... Oh, go ahead, Chad. Well, the, I mean, the, but the counterpoint to that, I mean, we, we, we touched earlier on, you know, and, and some of us may disagree with you on this one, Chris, but we touched on, you know, the NCAA versus Major Junior, you know, the way that Canada picks their guys and, you know, the Americans pick theirs. And, you know, that kind of those stereotypes apply to this this forward group. I mean, we talked about, you know, you know, who's going to bring jam to it. Well, everybody, because, you know, I mean, you could kind of look at this like you have the snug root line and then, you know, three checking lines. And it's, you know, kind of that's kind of been the, the knock on the way, you know, team, uh, USA Hockey, you know, picks their guys. I mean. It kind of, you know, I was I was looking at, at at your piece, Chris. You know, we're getting ready for this conversation, and it's, you know, there's a lot of. It seems like there's more bottom six guys than than six of them. You know what I mean? It's I, th- that's kind of that's kind of my concern. I mean, what? Uh, I mean, on the other hand, I know that you know the USA's hockey is their kung fu is superior, so it doesn't matter who we put out there because we're taking gold with, you know, a, a, anybody you, you bring. But I mean, what what are I mean, kind of, kind of counter my uh, my concerns there with you know, is there enough, you know, top end talent to, to throw in this blender and and, and and get something good coming out of it? Well, I mean, you kind of have to pick the team that the the player pool dictates. And the 2003 birth year was very weak for the U.S. Very weak um, in terms of you know when you compare it to the '04s and the the '01s and you know, even the O2s to a certain extent, um, you know, they just didn't have as much. Like it was like Luke Hughes and 
you know, maybe Chaz Lucius and, you know, a lot of guys that were going to be mid-round picks. Um, and that's basically what, what it was. Um, so you're kind of beholden to that a little bit. You want to have an older team at the tournament. You don't want to just take a bunch of 18-year-olds and, and 04s, even though they might have, have been better. Um, but, you know, you know, some of the guys, like the high-end guys um, that, are, that are highly skilled, um, you know, they, they, they hadn't had good enough seasons. Like, you know, like Isaac Howard, who I loved in his draft year, has not been very good for Minnesota Duluth and didn't get a sniff. Jack Hughes, who was a, um, an 03, I mean, he's, he's not, you know, he's kind of gone backwards um, from being what, what appeared to be one of the top players in the 03 birth year and his U17 season. Um, and it just hasn't progressed beyond that, really. Um, so you, you know, you had to make those decisions. I know that they're the the two forwards. I think a lot of people are um, concerned about that didn't make it are Passageov and Ty Boyd, both at Sarnia right now. And you know, I, I think that Ty Boyd, like Ty Boyd, wasn't competing for a third line or fourth line spot. He was competing for one of two forward spots. And that's, you know, to be the right wing on either the first line or the second line. Well, on the first line, they have Jimmy Snuggerud. On the second line, it'll probably be, you know, somebody along the lines of it could be Will Smith. It could be Jackson Blake. It could be a bunch of other. And, and, you know, a lot of the guys that are there are, you know, skilled enough to be, to be good players. So I, I don't think, I don't think it's, I don't think this team has like, it's definitely got some grinders on it for sure. Like, but I don't think that that was a conscious decision so much as it was picking the best team that the age group kind of dictated. Um, you know, and, and I think next year it's going to be really fascinating to see because you've got a really strong 04 group. You've got a strong um, uh, 05 group as well um, that, you know, that can kind of come in. And then you've also got these 06s that look out of this world like uh, James Hagens and, and Cole Iserman. So, I think next year's team will be more skilled top to bottom. What's interesting, though, is that the forwards may look really grindy, but have you looked at the decor? Not a grindy group. Not a no. grindy group. Not a big group. And a highly skilled group. So I, I don't think – I just think that and, – and again, that is what the, the player pool dictated – you know, there. I looked at the D, and I'm like, there is not a single guy that they took that I can argue against. And I, I mean, I think I projected Roman Schmidt onto the roster because I thought that they would go with size over skill on the blue line, and they didn't. Um, so you know, like that was that was another thing that that's really interesting. So I, I think that that back end is going to have a lot to say about how this team competes offensively. On top of that, and you know. A lot of power plays at the World Juniors are going to have, you know, four forwards. And I think the U.S. Has, like, might have both power play units, might have two defensemen on it, and they'd be better than some of the forwards that they have at their disposal. That's just the way it kind of goes this year. And kind of getting into the, the defenseman like you talked about, and, you know, we all know what Luke Hughes is and, and, and the bloodlines that, that he comes from. And, um, you know, last year finishing, finishing the tournament basically on one leg. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. he's going to be back there playing, you know, a ton of minutes and, you know, probably it might be an interesting who plays more minutes, him or Owen Zelliger, you know, or, or Brandt for, yeah. for, for Canada. Yeah. So, you, so you know what you're going to get in, in Luke Hughes, but, you know, is Jack Purton, you know, Sean Barron's kind of the, the other anchors? Are you, are you looking at, 
you know, you know, Shea Boom, who's kind of had his situation. You know, he's kind of the bigger guy. Uh, I know Seamus Casey's, you know, I just saw him recently playing with, with Michigan and kind of what, what he's up to and kind of, you know, he's kind of that riskier, you know, can, is he that great in his own end? Um, you know, Ryan Chesley is absolutely buried behind just a, a stack of talent at University of Minnesota. Um, but, you know, like you said, they're all kind of similar style guys. And, um, you know, I, I know it, is there, what do you make of this defense? And is it just kind of pick the names out of, out of a hat or kind of who has the best camp? What do you make of the, the U.S.'s defense? Uh, yeah, it's tough to tough to predict exactly how it's going to look in the end. Um, I mean, it's not going to look very big, I can tell you that much. Um, you know, I think that the, the, the two guys that are, are really locked in, um, you know, I think Luke Hughes for sure and then – you know, Shai Booyam as well. You know, I think that those are two guys that are that are dialed in. Luke can play on the right side, and actually, he often does play on the right side. So that's another. You know, they're. I don't think they're going to worry too much about the lefty righty split because they do only have three right shot in there. Um, you mentioned Seamus Casey. I think he's on the bubble. He's got to prove that he brings something because odds are he is not going to be on the power play um, mm. like he is yep. at Michigan. You know, so that's so it's like okay, if he's not going to be on the power play, where where what does he do that that's going to help us? Um, U.S. does not have a traditional shutdown defenseman on this roster. They don't have one in camp. They don't really, you know, and and that's that's uh, that's a challenge, you know. And I think that the size and age of Canada, um, because really, you know, especially with Russia out of this tournament, you can't overlook anybody. But at the same time, like you are gearing up to beat Canada um, because the, the the Swedish team is okay this year. They don't have Simon Edvinson. That's a huge loss. The They, they, they have other defensemen hurt. Um, the Finns are okay-ish. Like, you know, like it's, it's really, you know, the U.S. and Canada, I think on paper, are by far the superior teams. Doesn't mean that, you know, neither team has great goaltending, so who knows. But, you know, you just have to kind of wait and see. But I, I think that you know the, the U.S. when it comes to defending the middle, defending the net front, um, playing along the walls, you know they're going to have to be first to a lot of pucks. That's going to have to be the the, the message to the defense because they're not, you know, big enough or strong enough to potentially knock off some of these Canadian forwards to, to you know to knock them off the puck to get the, get it away from them. Um, you know they're going to have to be really creative with their sticks and everything else. But um, but yeah, but I mean you know it's just I've never seen I've never seen a blue line like this. You know where where it's basically you have two guys that are over six feet, um, and then you got Ryan Chesley who's six foot, and the rest are five ten, five eleven, five nine defensemen. Um, I don't have a problem with that, but it's just it's 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 harder to see uh, you know how they're going to be able to defend against some of the, the best players unless they just really dominate the puck possession game. So um, you know I think that there are going to be some real interesting choices to be made there. Uh, I think guys like Barons and Peart have have been there before, so that helps them. Um, you know, Peart may end up being the number two power play guy, as Luke Hughes is probably the number one power play guy. Then you've got Lane Hudson, who's the most dynamic defenseman in college hockey possibly right now, and, and is the highest scoring defenseman in college hockey, but also the smallest. You know, so um, he's you know he's he's one of those guys that you know I think you have to have on the team, and so then it, it pushes guys like. Um, Luke Middlestat and um, Seamus Casey and 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 others to you know basically really prove themselves. So, um, but I think that you know Luke Hughes 
you he's going to play a ton. Like he is going to play uh, uh, an absolute boatload of minutes, and he's going to have to. Um, I think you know he's by far their best. I I I wrote it in the in the piece that I, you know to me Luke Hughes is this team's most important player by by a lot. Yeah, and do do you kind of see you know in years past sometimes the U.S. has struggled to to get the puck out of out of their zone. They've kind of got hemmed in on, on four checks and things like that. Do you kind of see this as a kind of a counter to that? Of okay, let's get a bunch more puck movers and try and maybe alleviate some of that like you said dominate the, the puck possession or is it kind of back to that you know what you were saying before it's just kind of what this age group dictates yeah i mean it, it's what the age group dictates like there's not there's just not a defenseman that i could have said yep that how did they miss on that guy like it sure. just doesn't yeah it's just not there um yeah. you know and so but but i also think that you know with the style that Rand Pechtold wants to play. This is a group that can can help you dominate puck possession. It is a group that's going to be able to get pucks up the ice quickly and help in transition. They they will jump into plays. They will help in the scoring. Um, you know, it's just uh, you want to make sure that you have the puck as much as possible because when it comes to actually defending, you know, that's when you're you, you know like even Shy Booyam, who's who's good defensively, is not what I would call an elite defender. Um, you know, so, and I think in years past too, the years that the U S has had the most success, they've had a highly mobile blue line that's able to move pucks. And, um, you know, I think that this group can do that. I think actually, you know, and in the bubble, the, the, in the world junior bubble a few years ago, like I, I didn't think they managed to win despite that group, that, that blue line group, not being an amazing puck moving group. They had guys like Cam York and, and stuff like that, but it wasn't, it wasn't like some of the, the ones of years past, but I'm really fascinated to see how this is going to work, um, especially if the U.S. does end up playing Canada either in the you know in the semis in the final, whenever it may be. You know, sure. I, I I feel like I feel like the defense group is kind of again it's the same debate we have every year, and I, I feel like it's the opposite of the forward group. You you take ten skilled puck moving guys, throw them in blender, and and you know it'll sort itself out in the end. I mean, is it is it's obviously an oversimplification, but I mean, I'm I'm backing it 100. percent Yeah, I mean, it's 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 what they had to do, and and I think that the group that they have, you know, there's a lot of good players there. You got two guys that won a national championship in Barons and Buya. You know, you've got guys like Luke Hughes that have played in a national, uh, in a world championship, a world junior. Um, you know, so they, they've got they've got some really good talent back there, and guys that you know I think that they they feel they can win with. So uh, it'll be fascinating to watch. I can't wait to see how it plays out. Kind of moving down the roster here as we you know kind of get close to wrapping up, but uh, from the goaltending perspective. Is this maybe the most wide open you've you've seen the U.S. have a, a goalie competition in in a while? Like, are, are we looking at a at a national team goalie? You know, starting are, are they're going to go back to Inverco? Um, if I'm saying his name right, apologize about that. But you know, I know he's kind of been kind of you know doing all right there at Colorado College, but um, you know maybe not the best team in front of him either. So it's kind of hard to maybe judge some of those numbers, but. Um, what do you make of the U.S.'s goaltending situation? You know, it, it kind of seems like, you know, okay, he's maybe the kind of, the, you know, the fourth guy, but has there ever been a situation like this where you've even had different goaltenders than who was in, you know, the summer? You know, the, a guy that, you know, people of this show listen to, of, of Braden Holt. 
I was placed for, playing for the Everett Silvertips and gotten a look at, at, at one point, uh, you know, for the U.S. program. But it just seems like there's just kind of a wide open kind of goalie competition for the U.S. this year. Oh, I think it's. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily call it wide open. I think it's. Okay. It's. I think it's a two horse race of the four that they're bringing. So the real, like the bat, the battle for me is whoever is going to be the third goalie between uh, Tyler Muselik and Andrew Oak, and neither has played a significant enough amount of time this year to have established themselves ahead of the other. I mean, Oak was started like 30 some games last year and he's only he's 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 a backup this year in Saginaw so you you know you're basically taking a guy that's barely playing um at that point and then you know same with Musilek who's in a platoon role at UNH and has a sub 880 goals per goals or save percentage you know or 890 save percentage so um so really I I think it comes down to Embarico and um uh and Trey Augustine there's, I do think there is a battle, but I mean, there have been battles before, like top, the year that Tyler Parsons won the job. Um, it was him and Joe Wall, and they were going back and forth. And do um, you know who the third goalie was on that team by chance? Oh, um, I can't remember. Um, it's a trivia question. I don't. I, I can't. Uh, uh, Jake my Ottinger. I was, uh, was going to say, I was thinking something with Dallas, but I couldn't, I yeah. couldn't quite pull it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, Jake Ottinger. So the guy that is one of the better young goalies in the NHL was a number three goalie at this tournament. But that's not the situation that the U.S. is in. That's how good that group was, and that Tyler Parsons won that sure. job um, and is no longer playing hockey is, is kind of amazing. So um, so you never know. But I, but, but I think that you know, Caden Embarico has played really well at Colorado College this year. The thing about him is he's a small goaltender. He's 5'11". He has to rely on feel, quickness, things like that. It's really unpredictable. It's There's nothing that he plays that way because that is the way he has to play. There is nothing. He does the absolute best that he can, but it is not predictable, and it's scary for a coach when that's not predictable. Trey Augustine is a little bit more predictable. He's got a little bit better technique. He's a little bit bigger. He's about six foot even. He's having one of the best seasons at the national team program by a goaltender. Like, right, as of right now, if the season ended tomorrow and it was a single season save percentage thing, he wouldn't have played enough games for it to, you know, to count. But um, it basically is the second best save percentage in the history of the program in terms of um, a, a single season. So that's, that's a really impressive considering that they're playing USHL, college teams, international events. Um, and they have, you know, they have a three goalie rotation there. So he's got, you know, he's got to get it in. Um, I think those are the two guys that they're debating between, you know, I think it's Embarico's job to lose because he was the starter last year, played really well up until the quarterfinal game when he, he let in some, some really tough goals. And that, you know, that's where you say, okay, well, the door is open. And it, so, it, so I wouldn't say it's wide open, but there's a, there is opportunity for competition there. Um, and then, you know, the third goalie, I think at this point, you just hope they don't have to play. I mean, not no, I, I say no offense to those guys, but that was pretty offensive. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but you know, like that's 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 the situation that they're in. I mean, you know, when Drew Camasso said that he wasn't going to play in the summer, that to me was the end of that team's chances. Um, right. And K- and to his credit, Caden Barco gave him a really good chance until 
you know, the games really started to matter more. But I do think that he has the capability, like he he has the ability to win them games. But it, it I just think that that if you're the head coach of that team, you can't feel super confident if that's you know you're you're not going to go in just saying yep that's our guy. I, I don't think so. Yeah. Who's your uh, who's who's your dark horse to make this team that maybe is kind of on the bubble or if you say hey I think this guy may obviously every player who's here is is a talented player but do you kind of have a dark horse that you know maybe some others that are kind of in in, in your industry there and kind of you know prospect guys like yourself that you know if you said hey I'm I'm I would put this guy on the team that you might kind of get some some head scratchers or or do you think it's it, they just kind of go chalk. Um, I think it'll be pretty chalky. I mean, I just, I, I, I'm not sure what the like the consensus around hockey is about Jackson Blake, but yep. you know, he's he's the guy that I, I think will end up playing a substantial role for the team outside of you know the guys that we're we're all familiar with, like the Snuggerhoods and Coolies. I mean, he's had a really strong freshman season at North Dakota. Um, if okay. you would have asked me at the beginning of the season if he was going to be on this team, I would have said no. Um, I think that he's going to play and probably play a fair amount. Um, and uh, so Jackson Blake is is the guy that maybe people wouldn't expect to play a substantial role, but Will. Um, I also think that Will Smith will end up being a very important player for this team um, as a U18 and and should have a, a significant impact on the lineup. Um you know what regardless of where he plays because he is an incredibly dynamic talent and super fun to watch and you know if he's in a scoring depth role that's a pretty good spot to you know that that's 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 a guy that you'd like to have down there and you know i i, I think there's a chance that he could play his way into the top six as well and I mean, especially if lucius is out and then then yeah. that only increases the the need for will smith and Jackson Blake has kind of won at every level. You know, he won a state championship at Eden Prairie. He won a Clark mm-hmm. Cup championship. You know, he's got the bloodlines with Jason Blake, who played over, I think, over 800 NHL games. You know, and he's kind of been able to kind of do it all. You know, in, in kind of high school and and in juniors, he was kind of more of a shooter. And now it seems like in some of the games of North Dakota that I've watched, he he's he's been more of a setup guy and kind of in some instances been a bumper on the power play. So seems like he's the type of player though like you've kind of talked on earlier in the pod of like if he's not a top six guy he's probably not a bottom six right you need a Jackson yeah. Blake to be be at the top end of your lineup yeah if he's gonna be on this team he's got to score right so like right. It, or or point or you know have points and and produce yep. so yeah yeah I, I, I agree with that so I, I guess uh before I turn it back over to Chad I guess how do you see kind of group B playing out and you know, obviously, we know U.S. is going to win gold. Uh, that's a given. But uh, how, how do you see kind of Group B playing out? Especially, you know, you touched on a little bit earlier with with Russia not not being in the tournament. So, so that kind of takes one of one of the big five out. But how do you see Group Group B playing out? And and how does the U.S. avoid you know maybe you know getting caught by Slovakia or something like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I'm sure Slovakia would love it if. Uh... <laughs> if they got every all their players loaned back to them, um, you know, and I, 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 I certainly wish that that were the that were the case that, that they did. But you know, I, I think um, 
you know, jeez, uh, I was looking at the wrong. I'm looking at the wrong, uh, the wrong group here for uh, the World Juniors. As I pulled up my my group list, because I was like, I need to go off my list so that I can at least get them in order and and organize my thoughts. Um, but but yeah, but I, I mean, I think that that Slovakia, you know, I don't think they're going to get Slavkovsky, so that's probably not. Yep. You know, that's probably going to do it for them. Um, you know, even getting Emich back if they do. Um, is not necessarily uh, going to uh, to do it for them, um, uh, you know. So I think that I think the U.S. is the best team on paper. Um, there, you know, there's the chance that you have a bad goaltending moment, or you know, you have uh, you know something goes wrong with your uh, um, you know your you just have like a, a bad bounce. You don't recover from it. I mean, it's amazing how easily that can happen in, um, in the world juniors. But yeah, I mean, I think that in general, I, I would expect that the U S is going to, um, be able to, to be on top of that group. Finland. I just, you know, I don't think that they have enough firepower. Obviously they played gonna, for the gold last year. Are they going to get that? Brad Lambert? Do you think they're going to get Brad Lambert? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, I would. I would assume so. Um, I think he's he also was injured recently, yeah, so we'll have to see he what was, he's yep. he's doing. Yeah, so yeah, I would assume that that he would go go to the World Juniors and, and have a chance to play a substantial role and everything else. I mean, Switzerland and Latvia. Um, Latvia made the dream run last year. A lot of those guys are gone. Um, going to be really hard. They have you know Sandisville, Manis, and. Uh, um, I'm for whatever reason blanking on the other big player from their under 18 world team last year. You know they should play substantial roles for, for Latvia, but yeah, I mean I think Finland is the biggest threat to the U.S. Slovakia can be sneaky um, if they have a, you know as many of their their big guns as they can get. Um, but yeah, I mean I just think that the U.S. is is poised to. To win the group, and they better because my hotel in Moncton runs through the quarterfinals, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to need to uh, stay there. So yeah, uh, yeah, no crossover USA. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess just one one last one. You know, Canada's got all you know got those ringers now uh, up front. Is you know, does US have that kind of go to guy? Is can can a go to guy, you know, you're down by a goal or you need someone to kind of change the momentum? Can it be Luke Hughes or do you need a guy like Logan, Logan Cooley or Jimmy Snuggerud? Does the U.S. have that kind of go to guy that they, they can point to? Or I mean, is it going to be kind I, of a, by committee? Yeah, it might be a little bit by committee, but I think that you you are you are leaning heavily on Logan Cooley, on Luke Hughes, on Jimmy Snuggerud, Cutter Gauthier. Um, those are the guys that you are going to say we need something and we need it now. And um, you know the U.S. Has, sometimes it takes them a while to emerge. Like you know last year, nobody would have thought that Carter Mazer was was the go-to guy for them. But you know Carter Mazer was the go-to guy. That's the way it worked out for them. Um, so so that's that's another um, you know yeah. I mean you, you you always hope that you have a guy that you can send over the boards that you feel real confident in that, he, that he's going to find a way to score um but i mean i think every team is is hoping that their best guys do it and it's really hard to do that in this this particular tournament um unless you're like 2022 mason mctavish when you just kind of 
stepped on the ice and everything happened. So, um, <laughs> right. you know, that's, that's, that's what we'll have to, to wait and see. But yeah, I mean, I think that they are going to absolutely expect not just need, but expect Logan Cooley and Luke Hughes and, and Jimmy Snuggerud and those guys to, to make a significant impact on this roster. You know, with over the last couple of years, you know, with the, uh, the, the TSN camera, you know, saving the uh, puck over the glass. Bear Turnier making a, <laughs> making a, uh, you know, look, look like he was playing outfield for for the Cubs. You know, saving a puck over the glass. You know, the the um, Hinlinka and Edmonton when they when Canada scored after after triple zeros. There's no review. I mean, Chris, do you think this is the year that one of those things you know breaks for for the Americans and we can restore a little justice into this uh, universe here on on the uh, on the red white and blue side <laughs> uh, you know um i'm not sure <laughs> it's it's always funny how that works out um you know like the the crazy thing about this i, I mean yeah the, the interesting thing is is like you know we talked about sa's goaltending I mean, canada's goaltending is in the same situation you know like the the guys that they have 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 not really been proven at this level and you know so that's it, it's it's interesting to see so you never know but yeah i mean i think that the bounces everybody that's won has had to have a bounce go their way at some point you know i mean you have to you have to have your shootouts with troy terry you know being the ace in the hole and, and scoring in four straight shootout attempts and you need to have your, you know, or on the other side, you have the Jonathan Taves uh, game and uh, Carey Price, or you know, you need you need to have something get, get on your side at the right time. And you know, I think that the, honestly, I think if the U.S. is going to win, it's going to have to be something where you know, there's got to be a little bit of good fortune involved as as well, um, because I, I mean, you look at the two teams on paper, and it's it's hard to see exactly where you know how they match up you know i think i think canada's got to go into this tournament as a, as a heavy favorite um as much as you guys are uh pumping up the the united <laughs> states of america which is, is totally fine uh but you know you, you basically just have to find a way to manufacture some of that the that that luck and and some of that good fortune in order to uh you know move things forward well you I think there. I think there was oh, once a great coach that said if they might if they play us ten times they might win nine. Not tonight. Not not this year. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll see it. Yeah. yeah, I'd be interested to hear if if Rand Pecknold is if he's got his own or if they just put Miracle on in the dressing room. So yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I suppose. I suppose there, Josh. You've identified why they just take plumbers every time, but. When they have the leading scorer of the Ontario League, which is arguably the best junior league in the world, and they left a guy at home, but I guess I guess I hadn't really thought about the uh, <laughs> the the Herb Brooks side of things. So maybe maybe I mean it worked for us <laughs> once, right? <laughs> you know, and and, and, and Chris, I got I got to take uh, I got to argue against you there too again that you know use the Troy Terry example as luck. That wasn't luck. That was skill. It's a skills competition. <laughs> You know that was that yeah was no no hero. no question yeah. no no question yeah, yeah. And I don't remember what Zegers did that when when he was in this tournament but you know they got a burrito bowl named after him and I went and ate it you know I mean it was uh, yeah so. well yeah all he did all he did was like tie the American record for 
points in a tournament. So or break it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, those are, those are my questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are those are my questions that I had. I'll turn it back to turn it back to Chad here. Thanks, oh, I, Chris. I I I never yeah. had any questions. I just we just <laughs> I just we just let her rip, you know what I mean? Yeah. But we've cool. uh I know it's getting pretty late out there in uh in, in the central time zone and again we've we've already discussed your your long journey from uh from from Waterloo. You you have uh, any final thoughts as we we put a bow on this, Chris? Um I guess final thoughts on on this World Juniors is um there's a couple of things. Like one thing, like the Russia should not be in the tournament, and they're not, and that's a good thing on the geopolitical or- world. But it really has impacted the competitive balance of the tournament when when they're not there, because that's a team that at least you know looks like a threat to, <laughs> in a hockey sense, um, <laughs> um, you know, like like they they are. You know, so so to not have that team here, and again, they shouldn't be in the tournament because of what's going on in the world and the things that are bigger than hockey. But without them there, it does it does create a bit of an opportunity for teams like Slovakia, Czechia, um, you know, last year was Latvia to get in and 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 make uh, make an impact in the tournament. But it has kind of diluted the medal round a little bit after an already diluted um, preliminary round. You know, because at least they used to play for for buys into the semifinals and different things like that. I I have zero problem with with having the top teams go into the quarterfinals. Um, you know, I think it's better to have the best teams play as many times as possible as opposed to um, you know having that buy. But um, but you know, I, I just think it's 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 fascinating to see how that has impacted the way that the tournament looks and feels. Um, and and so that's that's another thing you know you, you have more games that don't really matter um, as a result. So I, I'll be interested to see in the long term implications what happens, how long Russia's out because that is you know and it will be until things are resolved um, you know in the war. But you know and maybe beyond that, who knows? Um, but it, it is you know you take away a team like that and then you think about they, they already said well we're not going to do the world cha- the world cup if we can't have Russia in it. And I didn't have a problem with that because really that you want the most competitive tournament that you can have. So, so I, I think that until it's unfortunate, but you know, until that kind of is, is resolved, I think the world juniors is, has kind of been uh, diminished a, a little, a little bit um, uh, just by not having that, you know, the big four teams as opposed to the big five, where that having that fifth team, you know, means that one of those five are not going to be even having a chance to play for the medal, um, and, and that so that just really ups the the intensity of the tournament. So I think the intensity is going to be a little bit lower, but when the top teams play each other, it's going to continue to be really good. So, um, so that's you know, it, it's just it, I think it's I, I say that just more as a like a managing expectations for the quality of the tournament because I was out there in Edmonton. That was some pretty bad hockey for very much of the tournament. Like that, that was one of the worst World Juniors I've ever seen. And then they had this amazing final between Finland and Canada to really salvage it all. So um, I'm hopeful that we're gonna have a good tournament this year. But I, I think still, it's 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 gonna be interesting. So I don't want to end on a downer. So I'll end up <laughs> on, on an upper. And I think that I think that the, you know, regardless of that, the World Juniors continues to be an amazing tournament that 
has insane moments, like the Mason McTavish save on the goal line last year, like Troy Terry, like you know Jonathan Taves, like you know the Jordan Everly. I mean, we've had all these great moments. John Carlson, I gotta get that one in there. Um, all these great moments that have kind of happened over the course of this tournament. And so this, regardless of who's in it or not, there's always that potential. And I think it's a great thing that guys like Shane Wright, Grant Clark, Dylan Gunther are, are, are loaned back to Canada. You know, I, I really wish that Simon Edmondson was playing in the tournament. I don't think there's any reason for him to stay in the AHL. I think that's just completely ridiculous, to be quite honest with you. Um, he wasn't good at the last World Juniors. I would have thought that he would want to have a better showing this time around, but that's the way it goes. And I think, you know, sometimes that's team dictated as well. It's unfortunate Marco Casper won't be here for Austria, although you know, basically it would have been Marco Casper trying to battle the entire world um, on his own, you know, so, but, but in, in large part, the best players are going to be here. Um, uh, and, and that's a great thing. And it's great for junior hockey. And um, I'm really excited to see it and excited to, to get out to Atlantic Canada for um, what I'm sure will be a, uh, a very interesting tournament. And I have no idea what to expect from the weather while I'm out there. But uh, as long as I can get to and from the rink, I think we'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited. It's 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 regardless. It, this is always just one of my favorite times of the year. You, know, you go from the holidays and you just get, get to it, extend it for another 11 days with the World Juniors. So uh, I really enjoy that. Well, you, you remind us how how people can can follow you and kind of read read your work. Yeah. So all of my uh, coverage will be at flowhockey.tv. Um, like I said, it's all all free. All that content is free. Um, if you you know if you want to watch the live games, that's when you have to pick up the subscription to the site. Um, I'm on Twitter at Chris M Peters. My podcast is Talking Hockey Sense, which uh, airs actually both on Flow and wherever you get podcasts. Um, so you can download it or watch it, uh, whatever you prefer. I recommend listening because I'm still shocked people look at <laughs> watch watch those, but. Um, but anyway, please do watch them. It's it's important for metrics. Give you know, want to keep my job. Um, but yeah, but it, that's those are the the primary places that you'll be able be able to find my work. I've got a lot of World Junior stuff up now, and there will be a lot, a lot more to come, so that I can justify my travel to Atlanta, Canada, which is not an easy place or cheap place to get to. So, yeah. so you're saying the the actual games in this tournament are available on on Flow TV. No, no, okay. no, okay, no. Sorry, that's if you wanted to watch the games that we offer. Yeah, but no, the the yeah, no. This the World Juniors is still on NHL Network in the U.S. and not on Flow. <laughs> okay. okay, just checking with that. And and uh, to you know, as 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 we walk away, I mean, I I I would just want to uh, back you up on everything you said about Russia and you know things bigger than hockey. And and I, I I concur with you 100. percent I I joked on our Canada preview that I was fortunate enough to tape with Stephen Ellis. I joked that instead of getting the Russians getting kicked off of the airplane, they just didn't let them on this time. So. <laughs> yep, exactly. They didn't even let them in the country. Yeah. Said, nope, you can't come in. Can't come in. So yeah. All right, Chris. Well, we really appreciate your time. Hey, it's my pleasure, guys. Yeah, it's always fun to do it with you every year. So. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get another chance here uh, next time around.